You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone, and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lewin Markell. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Beasley. So, this is not going to be a very long intro at all. In fact, we're going to dive right back, right into the episode. Pretty much, the, probably the fastest we have. Which I know probably really upsets you guys. Oh yeah, I'm because sure. you're not here for lore, you're here for us to... Ramble on about our personal shit that's going on. <laughs> our very exciting personal lives. Yeah. Yeah. Because we all leave the house a lot. Oh, yeah, all the time. I'm I'm never at home. Shh. I mean, to be fair, I, I'm out of the house like 40 hours a week. That's work. That does not count. Oh. Yeah, no. Dang. Yeah. I was trying to make it sound like I had a life. Thanks. Sorry. No, you're not. No, I'm not. Anyways, so this little intro, I guess, is just going to be us thanking you guys, all of you. For all of the emails we received, all of the people who are taking time out of their day to not only listen to our podcast, but to send us feedback and ideas and everything. Yeah, it's yeah. very, uh, it's very heartwarming and and humbling a little bit too. Yeah, because we've received feedback on almost every episode that we've released. That's what now? 20 something. I don't even 20 know at this point. 21? 22? Something like that. 23? 25. It's in the 20s. <laughs> <laughs> it's in the 20s 25. and I'm going to be honest, I don't feel like pulling it up to look at it right 26. now because I have the timer going. On my phone, and I'm just not going to mess with it. Fair enough. But it's been amazing. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, even just, I mean, even besides the, the feedback, which is really special, just like looking and seeing like each play on there. Yeah. It's like a human took time out of their day to listen to us talk about Dungeons and Dragons. Like It's been crazy. Like we weren't sure what to expect as far as the growth of this podcast when we started, as oh, yeah. most people aren't. We just don't know how it's going to be received. And even though it's not like, you know, we've jumped up into the 10,000 plays a week category, yeah, we're still getting more plays than we actually thought we would be at this point. Yeah. Because it's been six months? Uh, uh, yeah, actually, yeah, just roughly. About, yeah. I was thinking about that today, actually. And it's just grown way faster than I honestly thought it would. Yeah. So just thank you guys for everything. Even if all you do is like click play, that's huge. <laughs> that helps us yeah. so much. Click play and then <laughs> hear the sound of my voice and click out. Well, no, that's not the first thing they no, hear. No, the first thing they hear is Matt, <laughs> our friend who recorded the like very beginning that you hear. Yeah. Or maybe they really just don't like... Uh, Mr. Nakarada's music. I don't know. Well, if that's <laughs> the kidding. case, then... Get the fuck out. You don't know. <laughs> you don't know. Anyway, and in anyway, this house. We just wanted to take the time to thank everyone Respect. for that 
feedback and the plays and the, the, everything. the everything. Everything. Just thank you guys so much. <clears throat> and with that. Yeah, can we stop being emotional now? No, I'm going to continue okay. to be emotional forever. <laughs> it's too much yeah, for me. And I feel like this episode's probably going to give us some emotion anyway. A little bit. I mean. So, uh, well, you said a little bit. Oh, just a little bit? We'll see. Mm. I don't know. We'll see. Mm. I don't know how you guys are going to feel about this. We'll mm. find out. Yeah, all right. Well, what you got then? Well, as I've mentioned to both of you guys, you guys already know what I'm doing. Like, it's not a secret. I'm doing Everon History Part 3. You wouldn't have actually Ooh. even, like, had to say anything to us. Because I thought about that earlier this week. I was like, I wonder what Taylor's doing this week. And then I was like, she's probably doing Everon again. Well, yeah. I, I wanted to at least get to the point where I'm at. So, that being said... My next episode is probably not going to be an Eberron episode. Probably. I'm sure everyone is so sad about that. I'm sure, because Eberron's awesome. It really is. Like, holy shit. I will get to the point where I'm at, which would will set up a future episode, but not one that I'm going to go into immediately. I'm going to take a break from Eberron, focus on something else. Like, it's not going to be a, like, need to cover this right then. Oh, okay. yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure some people want me to immediately, but, like... I'll get there. It, it, mm-hmm. It'll be an episode at some point. Also, like, we were joking about it and, like, how much you've talked about Eberron, but I really respect your ability to, like, I'm going to do Eberron part one, and then I'm going to do part two, and then I'm going to do part three. Because, like, I did Elves part one, and I'm like, I need to take a break. <laughs> right? I said the same thing about gnomes. I was like, I love gnomes, but nah, I'm going to take Not a break. Not right now. It was a lot easier for me with tieflings because they pretty easily fit into one episode right don't get me wrong it was a long episode but it was one yeah anyway so eberron part three i feel like the like it has to be like so close together otherwise we'll lose track but yes eberron part three yeah i would probably agree with that too Mm -hmm. so in the previous episode i gave a quick rundown of the world specifically corvair in the wake of the fall of the goblin of sorry of the giant empire and then we got to the fall of the Goblin Empire. But I also somehow found and repeated terribly incorrect information regarding the nature of the five nations of Corvair. They're all fi- like the five central, the five nations, like capital F, capital N. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, they're actually all human nations, not one for a different race. So that one was my bad. Which you did... Put up a retraction on our Twitter whenever yeah. Ebron Part 2 released. But, because yeah. you realized it afterwards. Yeah, I was looking back through the notes. I'm like, oh, that's not true. I kept that in my notes. Oh, no. Uh-oh. And then realized I said it and didn't edit it out when, I'm re- when I was going back through and editing it. Oh, well. It's okay. Yeah. It's fine. Um, I, I explained it then. Basically, some of the... Uh, races that I mentioned then have their own kingdoms, but they're not the five nations. Those are all human. Oh, Okay. So, as I mentioned, humans come from Sarlona. They were the only race on that continent for a while, and was it was once home to over a dozen kingdoms of people that were, like, city-states and stuff. Mm-hmm. That is not so much the case anymore, but that's for later. So, they, a group of people led by Lazar. <laughs> Lazar. Lazar. A literal fucking badass lady pirate explorer. Holy shit. La- uh, oh. Lazar. Lazar the lady pirate. Yeah, so. Anyways. Destroy them with Lazar. So. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> and I don't know if that's how that's pronounced. It's L H A Z 
A A R. So I was kind of pronouncing it pronouncing it like Bazaar. Lazar. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Wait. Wow. No, you're right. Lazar. That would be much smarter. I mean, I like. Wow. I think I like Lazar better. I'm gonna go with Lazar now. I'm gonna go with Lazar. Nope. It's Lazar. <laughs> you can't. You can't tell me what to say. I mean, that's fair. Actually, uh, that 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 is fair. <laughs> So, I, that anyways, wasn't even me trying to correct you. I was just like, oh, Lazar. So Lazar basically let a bunch of humans chew Corvair. Lazar did? That was who did it, right? Lazar? So she's described as, I'm just going to ignore Lewin for a little bit. <laughs> just like you always do. So Lazar is described as being near mythical. Despite hours searching for more information, the only thing I could find on her was a few wiki entries where she was referred to as a woman, which I could not find confirmation for in any source books. I'm going to believe that she was a woman because yeah. it's Eberron and... The Lady Pirate. Yeah. The Lady Pirate and just everything is awesome. So we're going to go with that. Yeah. It's just too good. And also, like, in, in the source books, it was gender-neutral terms, so that is literally the only non-gender neutral term was the um yeah that so, like, one if you're gonna pick one so I'll, I'll i'll just go with the one that i could find in the wiki so. i know that say, sounds fine that kind of lends i think to the mythical it really does the fact that there's like not necessarily a ton of information about this character and in that same vein i also found a blog post from keith baker where he mentions that he intentionally kept information about lazar and early sarlona vague so that the DM could make it fit their needs. Oh my god, Keith Baker, I love you. Damn you, Keith Baker, I'm making a lore podcast here. <laughs> Except for that one issue, yeah. Like, it's it's hard to do a lore podcast. Without lore? Without lore, like. But it's so good for DMs and Eberron uh, campaign settings. Yeah. Eberron is just so good. Thank you, Keith Baker, but also, damn you, Keith Baker. <laughs> Damon Keith Baker for your beautiful, beautiful world. <laughs> so, as you might imagine, there's not much on Sarlona either. Or why Lazar and a bunch of other humans just up and left. I saw one of the source books refer to them as refugees, but honestly, I think it's really just up to the DM about why they left, if that's known at all. Yeah, I mean, and they could just be doing their regular, like, human thing. Like, yeah. we're going to go out on the ocean and, you know, explore and find new places. And yeah. What have you. Point is... The humans led by Lazar arrived in Corvair on the northeast coast in what is now called the Lazar Principalities. You mean the Lazar Principalities? <laughs> I'm sorry. How do I kill my best friend without being implicated? Well, well you first don't... of all, you don't ask that question on your podcast. You don't say I am in charge of the editing, so... Well, that's fair, but unless you're going to take a magnet to your hard drive... Yes, I can still bring it back. Okay, this uh -oh. is a joke. I love her. If anything happens to her, I would be so, like, torn up inside. And like, she didn't do anything. And also, I didn't do anything. Anyways. Now I'm scared. No. No, don't. No. Don't be don't, scared. Don't be scared. Uh, so, um, the humans put immediately pushed inland, driving out monsters and, unfortunately, the goblin survivors of the Dale Cure War. Oh, I know. Like, it's sad, because, like, they survived, but... Now... Then humans just came in and fucked their shit up. Yeah, like, what are these scary green things? Kill them! Or push them out. Hmm. Humans are assholes. Poor yeah. little guys. I feel like this is a thing that's happened. Yeah. So, they started settling the area, 
and created communities, and those would become the central kingdoms of Corbair, hmm. the five nations. This land looks nice. This is our land now. Thanks. We've decided. Good. Get get out of here, people who already lived here. We're stronger than you, so uh, this is ours. Thanks. We got guns and shit. Fuck you. Here, have some smallpox. We got guns and germs and... Not going to finish that one. <laughs> yep. Okay. <laughs> Moving right along. Uh, meanwhile. Uh, did they have guns, though? Probably not. No. They had magic. And they... say, I don't... Do guns even exist in everyone? At this point, no. Because I... this is thousands of years in the past. That's okay. up for your player character that you play in your present-day Eberron campaign to invent. So. True. Uh, so, meanwhile, already on Corvair were the halflings, dwarves, and gnomes. The halfling homeland is called the Talenta Plains, and it is a decidedly large portion of East Corvair. Talenta. It's really pretty. Do they make ice cream there? Oh, that does kind of sound like the ice cream Talenti. Yeah. I mean, not... They should. I've decided I've that they should. I've never heard of Talenti ice cream. It's, a, it's, it's gelato. Well, it's really gelato, yeah. Okay, see, that's why I don't know gelatos, like, at all. Never had it. It's really good. It's we'll good. have to try it sometime. Anyway, okay. we're anyway. going to go to the store after this and buy some. <clears throat> Sidebar. <laughs> uh, the halflings are largely nomadic, and they have been for thousands of years. It's actually how they kind of evaded, like, being persecuted, like, persecuted or... by the goblins. Which is quite amazing for their stumpy little feet. <laughs> <laughs> stumpy little legs. <laughs> uh, there's actually lots of pictures of them riding horses. Nice. Oh, fuck. You and mean, like, by horses, ponies? yeah, do you yes. ponies? Oh, my God. <laughs> Uh, or but, wolves but also the yeah but also the visual of like a halfling on like a Clydesdale is really good oh I'll, I'll have uh, okay look up look up the Talenta Plains I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find a picture of uh, halflings riding on horses and some of the pictures are a little bit Clydesdale-esque I'm not gonna lie sound of Travis and I both how the hell do you phones. spell Talenta Exactly. T-A-L-E-N-T-A. Like oh, wow, this guy's not... riding a dinosaur. Oh, yeah, they also have dinosaurs. That is Whoa. not how I thought Talenta was spelled. So. Yeah, they uh, they basically what have the herds fuck? of dinosaurs. Holy Yo, I want to ride a dinosaur. Okay, yeah, if you're in a position to do so, Google this, because it is a treat. Dude, that's a velociraptor. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so they... Were nomadic for thousands of years, and despite being recognized as a sovereign nation in the present day, they have no real governing body, body or unified set of customs. Huh. The only thing that they agree on is that they want to protect their way of life and their lands. I mean, they're, they like see each other as family and stuff, but they're different tribes and all that. Mm-hmm. They, they have totally unique customs and dress and beliefs to their own like other things yeah okay. it's so bizarre that in this like in ebron they don't have a unified yeah they do have a council of elder that in this is in the present day setting they do have a council of elders that they send to let like that that make the decisions for them but that's about as unified as they get yeah that's so cool that's m- mostly just the way that they present their their um, voice hmm. to, mm-hmm. like, the rest of Corvair. Right. Okay. Like, so, hey, halflings are still a thing. Here's all your representatives, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the rest of us are going to fuck off over here and cut trees down. Yeah. Yeah. Except they probably wouldn't cut the trees they, down. Yeah. Well, I just thought of the first, like, woodland thing I could think <laughs> of, and <laughs> apparently that was cutting trees down. The first woodland <laughs> thing you think of is destroying the woodlands. 
Um, I'm going to go. <laughs> anyway, um, they, among the dwarves, would have been the first people encountered by the incoming humans. And the dwarves, whose homeland is within the Iron Root, the Iron Root Mountains, which is in the Mror, Mimror, Mimror. It's very, very dwarven. M R O R. M R O R. Mror. The Mror holds that they now occupy, and it's in the northeast of Corvair, just. Barely west of where Lazar and her people would have landed and spread out from. Maror. <laughs> Tim Spears. But Maror. their true homeland is actually much deeper than that. Dwarves are actually from within Kyber and Eberron. Sick. And they're exiles. They have no memory of their his of their true history or the location of their homeland. So for they don't care about like they they've like looked for it and they can't find it. So at this point they're like, Whatever. all right, we're from the fucking mountains. I I swear I read something about where they were originally from before, but it must not have been like for Eberron. Yeah, it might have been for something else, or it might have just been that that and not where they're truly from. Yeah. It was just like a glimpsing thing. I was like, oh, that's kind of cool, and kept going. But mm-hmm. yeah. So the Imrorholds are a confederation of dwarven clans ruled by the Iron Council. Nice. Which is a badass name. That's such a metal name for a governing body. Especially for dwarves. Yeah. And also metal. Fuck. Nice. That wasn't actually intentional, and I realized it after I said it, and I was like, surely they're not going to point it out. Oh. Just gloss over it. No. No. But this is all recent because they had suddenly declared their independence from the five nations within the last, like, hundred years. So I'm getting way ahead of myself and into the future. So just know that that's kind of the dwarves' itty-bitty history there. Mm -hmm. That's what Mm. they eventually start doing. Dwarves are so cool, though. Yeah. <clears throat> On the southwest side of the continent, Zilargo yes. is home for the gnomes. Yes. Uh, they My ha- babies. <laughs> they have a long established culture of peace and prosperity. They way out, like, last the humans. And, like, they by the time the humans arrived, they already had established their country. And they're like... Yeah, no, you're not getting this. But so they have this culture of peace and prosperity and also tinkering, a thirst for knowledge, arcane secrets, and just a love for secrets in general. Yes. (laughs) They are basically just like the little uh, whispers in the dark in Eberron settings. Hell yeah. Oh my God, I love gnomes. Yeah. Um, Excellent. So, and I'm not going to get too into this, but like they're kind of run by like, a secret police? <laughs> a secret gnome police. Go on. Zalargo is like a um, peaceful, like enticing, like beautiful place to visit. But like if you get caught up in the secret police, it's like horrible. So there's no war in Zalargo is what you're saying? Kind of, yeah. Hmm. Oh my God. I didn't even think about that. Nice reference. <laughs> Thank you for pointing it out. So... Yeah. yeah. I mean, some people might not immediately get it. I mean, fair enough. Anyway, the gnome's true homeland is the Lanus, which is the Eberron Feywilds. But they crossed over long before the humans arrived through face spires, which are basically Eberron's equivalent of, like, fey crossings. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of like cities that 
like they're like these beautiful like Feywild cities that like reach down from the Feywilds and sometimes make contact like make contact with the material plane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It, it's pretty cool. And they are ruled by a council of representatives from each of the Numb's major cities outside of the secret police. Yeah, yeah. Secret police, though. Secret gnome police. The secret gnome police. (laughs) Which makes it even better because they're gnomes. Like, yeah. They can hide under a rock. (laughs) I love gnomes so much. Under a rock. Under a rock. I, I mean, sure. Why not? In a fireplace. In a chimney. In a chimney. In the cabinet. Like. In the in the pantry. Under your sink. Under the table. <laughs> under your bed. In your garden. In your bed. Wow. Oh. Anyway. <laughs> Travis just did a nasty with his eyebrows, just so you know. But <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so... Outside of Corvair and Sarlona, the elves had settled Arenal. I mentioned that in the first, uh, no? Second? First. First? First. Second. Oh, no. The elves are there. And this is why we're doing these so close together, because the further we get, the more we kind of forget. The first. The first. Okay. I mentioned that in the first one. Good job. (laughs) Uh, so... The elves in Eberron are actually descendants from the Eladrin the giants had captured from Thelanus as slaves. Over, okay. over time, they lost their connection to Thelanus and became a distinct separate race. So that's kind of how the Eberron... Equi- We've talked about this a little bit in the elf episode. That's kind of the Eberron equivalent of how elves and Eladrin are distinct. Yeah. It would basically be... Not that this word is means anything in Eberron, but it would basically the Telkasir to the Eladrin. Yeah. Even though sometimes that turns into a fucky little Venn diagram, but... Anyway, over um, a prophet among the elves named Aaron foresaw the giant's destruction and led a ritual during the slave uprising against them to deal a mighty blow. And then they she led the elves to a new land, which they named after her. She actually didn't make it to the new land. She passed away, but... That was beautiful. They named it after her. Kind of sad. Aranel actually means Aaron's rest. Damn. Even more sad. Yeah. Yeah. Melancholic. Love it. Very. And kind of a theme with elves in Eberron. Aranel was a continent with powerful astral and shadow energy flows, which has allowed the elves to basically become a nation of necromancers. I mentioned that in the last one. <gasps> Hell yeah. <gasps> oh, God. While the goblins were creating an empire on Corvair, the elves realized they could use their magic and the positive and negative energies of Aranel to basically achieve deathless immortality. Holy shit. The dead? What dead? We don't have any dead here. The honored and worthy became undead elves. Holy shit. And Aranel established the Undying Court, which now basically rules Aranel. When an elf dies, if they are worthy, they come back and... The undying court might take them into the court, and hmm. there they make the rules and guide the rest of Aranel. So, is that that magical energy that they harness kind of uh, Eberron's like way of explaining why elves live so long? Do you think, mm. or is it just that? <laughs> I think it's just that that's that's an elf thing. That that's an elf thing. In addition to now, they can also live. Forever. Literally forever. Okay. Yeah. And literally as 
undead, but it's a different undead. I'll explain more in a minute. It's a objectively probably sexier undead than like a zombie. But this is why the dragon started attacking Aranal, as I briefly mentioned in the last episode. It's because they started messing around with necromancy and it the idea of like a whole nation, kingdom of people that don't die is like scary. Not necessarily. Hmm. So I, it, after the court was created, the dragon started attacking. And it, it's hypothesized that the dragons are either shaping the elves to their own ends, they really don't like the undying court, or that they want the prophecy of Aaron to compare it to draconic prophecy, which the elves will not let leave Aranel. Hmm. Okay. So if that's the case, then the elves would rather continuously fight the dragons than give them this piece of... No one knows what's in in the hmm. prophecy other than the undying court. Hmm. So speaking of the dragons. They're back. <laughs> yeah. Guess who's back. <laughs> After back their war again. with the demons way back in the first episode. Right. They settled Argonesson, <laughs> a massive continent to the east of Corvair and Zendrick. And then we know almost nothing. In the fourth edition campaign guide, there's like literally it has a spot for history and it says there's no lore on the history. That's everyone's favorite thing to read. Yeah. It's usually not laid out in such like explicit terms, but like there is no lore. There is no lore. Jesus. Fuck you and your podcast. (laughs) (laughs) Again, Um, can't do a lore podcast without the lore. But uh, from the fourth edition Eberron campaign guide, Argonessen is is as large as Corvair, but nearly impossible to reach. Bizarre and unnatural currents, razor sharp reefs, Wild elementals and sudden storms prevent a ship from landing anywhere except for a few specific rocky beaches, largely on the north shores near the Isle of Saren. It's like how to train your dragon. <laughs> Even in a, if a safe landing is made, the mountain range called the Great Barrier makes access to all but the north, mo- northernmost reaches of the continent exceedingly difficult. I mean, especially you, like you can't fly, so exactly. You know, damn. So it's just like. This whole thing is like a mystery, kind of. Like, yeah. the rest of the continent has been unseen because no one can fucking get to it. They see dragons flying around, but they know they can't or get to them. Or some of them probably have rarely gotten to it, but I'm assuming when you do, these dragons look at you and like, oh, look, intruder, eat and, them. Yeah. yeah. Some other races live there, but it, they're largely barbarians who worship the dragons. Yeah, that's where and, I would come from. Yes. And the dragons would not just murder their worshippers. Right. Yeah. Well, not outright. I'm sure they probably... I mean, they probably take like a virgin sacrifice every 10 <laughs> yeah. years or something. They probably but... take a sacrifice here and there, but you know. Yeah. As you do when you're a, a godly sort of creature, or yeah. you are viewed as a godly sort of creature. Basically, the dragons just shut themselves off and use their elemental draconic magic to keep themselves shut off. They Mm -hmm. study the prophecy, and that's just about it. Big mood. Fifteen dragons became sovereigns, lesser gods in service to their, like, draconic deities, which include Io and the uh, three progenitor dragons and other, like, Tiamat and Bahamut. They're there. (laughs) I didn't realize Tiamat and Bahamut were in Eberron. That's nice. Tiamat is actually the daughter of Kyber. Yeah, that makes sense. Yes. Um, I'm going to do an episode about Tiamat one of these days because I love me Tiamat. But 
Just a quick summary for anyone who doesn't want to listen to that long future episode. Tiamat's a bitch. <laughs> Tiamat's a bitch. Tiamat's a bitch. Tiamat's like five here. bitches. That's pretty much what the dragons have been up to. So They've just been not like a being whole lot of anything. Weird shut-ins. And simultaneously attacking elves. elves because they want their prophecy. And occasionally coming in and swooping in and killing the giants to, or well, blasting the giants back to the Stone Age to keep them from destroying the world. Yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, they're getting too far ahead. Gotta go take care of that. But now that we are about all on the same page for the rest of the world, world. Uh, we're gonna take a quick little break. Ooh. Okay. We've got, we've caught the world up to speed. Let's, uh, what? Uh, I don't know. I was waiting for what, whatever you were going to say. You know, I was waiting for whatever I was going to say, too. Anyways, let's break go time. take a break. I Sounds like I need one. Hey, everybody. Just real quick before we get to the actual ad break. Yeah, sorry about that. About a day after we recorded the ad break for this episode, Lewin obviously went home and we got an email congratulating Dungeonpedia for reaching top 60 D&D podcasts on their website. It's from Feedspot, and we're on there. It's amazing. We are number 51, I believe, which, I mean, it, just to be recognized was a, a huge deal for us. So thank you so much to Feedspot, and thank you so much to you guys for listening. Also, as I'm sure many of you have heard, about a week ago, Wizards of the Coast announced that they are coming out with a new supplement for Eberron. Eberron, Rising from the Last War going to come out in November, and I think if you like Eberron, you should obviously check it out, see what it's about. And with that, back to our regularly scheduled breaks and podcast. Hey, everybody. Thank you for listening to the third and final part of the Eberron history episodes. We're just going to take a real quick break in here to plug our usual stuff, and then as soon as possible, we'll get right back to the action. I always want to go back to Eberron. Feel free to follow us on our Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr, all at Dungeonpedia. We post, you know, funny stuff. It's a good time. You can email us for any suggestions or comments. Yeah. At dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. You can also subscribe to us wherever you listen to us to get information on when we post our new episodes so we don't have to wait for our shitty social media posts <laughs> they're not shitty <laughs> no they're not i actually kind of enjoy them they're okay but uh while you're doing that you can also rate and review us there that would also be great well i say there anywhere that allows the yeah. reviewing process you know normal yeah. thing there and also to tell your friends because Spread the word. that's also a major thing just start telling random people on the street it's yeah. fine have you heard about eberron <laughs> They'll enjoy it. Trust me. Thank you to Alexander Nakarada for the use of our theme song, Blacksmith. I enjoy it almost as much as I enjoy Eberron. <laughs> it's a good song. However, almost as much. Let's get back to the final episode of Eberron. Yeah. Let's go. All right. Yep. More. Uh, More. I don't think you guys really want it. You guys just sound kind of tired. More. <laughs> I'm extremely tired. I actually do not feel that bad considering the little amounts of sleep we got last night. I why is it I feel like it's always inverse for us. Like I'm over here and like I feel okay. Honestly, and you're really tired, but I now attribute it's the it to just the universe kicking us in the ass. Yes. Yeah. Just all the time. 
Anyway. I mean, just a little bit, because it could be worse. Like, we could both be like zombies right now. True. True. So, we're caught up on Ebron for the most part? Well, you are now on the same page with the world at large. Keeping up with the Corvarians. Like, there are a couple of races that you guys don't know. Nice. Don't know about. I'm just ignoring that right now. Um, <laughs> That's what I wish Travis would have done. Like, Lizard Folk and Dragonborn and Yulon T, all that fun stuff. Oh, yeah. I was actually kind of curious. Hang on. <gasps> Does the Dragonborn come from? <laughs> I was kind of curious if the Dragonborn were actually a part of Eberron or how big of a part of Eberron they were. Guess what? I'm not going to tell you yet. God damn it. This bitch. Do they come from, you know, you know. So we already know that dragons are at the very least confused, if not horrified, by the dragon marks on the lesser races. I talked about that in the dragon marks episode, in last episode, et cetera, et cetera. So within 400 years of each other, marks appeared on halflings, elves, and gnomes. Marks of hospitality, healing, shadow, death, and scribing, respectively. Mm-hmm. So around 600 years after the first mark appeared, so... Which was on... Or after the mark first appeared, not the first mark. Mm-hmm. My bad. So the mark of death of House Vol on Aranel was destroyed by the Undying Court. Uh-oh. Yeah. They were like, nope, done with that. So the reason was, was because they... The House of Ol was creating a shit ton of liches and vampires. What's the problem oh. with that? Well, I mean, the vampires, okay. Liches, on the other hand. Liches are great. Yes, but I think they're also a little too powerful, and no one really wants to have to deal with a world full of liches that you then have to try to kill. True. I mean, so while the... Uh, Undying Court was created using the positive energy. The house, the Mark of Death and House Vol used negative energy and created and used dark necromancy to create these sort of undead that lived off of other people mm-hmm. instead of living off of energies. Also bad. Yeah, so that is what incited that. I mean, what's bad about? Well, never mind. The Dark necromancy even freaked out the dragons and so much that they set aside their little feud and helped destroy Damn. House Vol. Hmm. How, I mean, okay. how long was House Vol active? 600 years. Okay. Yeah. So, like, but to be fair, in elf and, like, dragon time, they nipped that problem in the bud pretty quick. Yeah. Yeah, that's not very long. I mean, yeah. This would, again, be its own episode, but... um. House Vol isn't entirely extinct, technically. Technically. This whole ordeal created the Vol Lich, (gasps) the last heir of House Vol. Holy shit. So there's still one Lich from House Vol running around somewhere. Yes. Ooh, that could be a plot point in a campaign. That really could. That could be a... Go destroy this last person from House Vol because fuck them. But and then, also she's like 2,000 years old. So but also, then you roll up and she makes an offer to your party to join her and help her do stuff. And return for what, though? I don't know. Your life energy. That, I don't know. That, 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 that's that not, seems like a that's bad That's not a trade. good deal, yeah. yeah. I'd rather just try to kill her at that point. I mean, I don't know. I, <clears throat> I know some... Well, not like a kill you thing. Like a... 
sexy vampire lover who feeds on you every now and again kind of thing. And then your one of your party members tries to fake her out, but it doesn't communicate that very well, and it just causes a very inconvenient fight. Mm. Hmm. Flashbacks. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. We're not going to get into that now. Anyway, so this whole thing freaked out House Fjarlun, the bearers of the Mark of Shadow. It, I, I'm guessing it just wasn't very public, like, why House Vol got, like, killed. Or maybe it was like, you know what, I don't care. It might, they might just be looking for any excuse. Maybe we're next. Maybe they don't like it, the, what we're doing next. So either way, they thought they might be next. And so House Fjarlun fled to Corvair and established their own nation, Valinor. And it's in the exact same area the elves had tried to colonize during the Dakani Empire. Okay. All right. So they just swoop in and was like, no, we got this. Well, there wasn't really, like, much going on there anymore. Yeah, now there's not a whole lot of resistance to colonizing. Just a couple of monsters and, yeah, that's Some straight things that a house should be able to take care of. Yeah. Or hire people to take care of, I guess, depending... On, on how style. lazy the house is. Yeah. I'm I'm guessing that since they're refugees, they're probably throwing that away for a little while. I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm sure they get, like, lazy again after the fact. But at least for the time being, they're, they're trying to survive. Yeah, they actually had to kick things into gear to get yeah. all that done. Mm-hmm. So, back in Central Corvair, as I mentioned, the five nations of humans were starting to boom. Mm. They're now known as Ondair, Breland, Karnath, Seer, and Thrain. Karn, the conqueror of Karnath, once attempted to conquer all of the human kingdoms. Didn't work. Shocking. Tried, though. Yeah. I mean, going against four other kingdoms. Kind of hard. Yeah. Especially when you, you go with a name called, like, Karn, the conqueror. Like, they most know. people kind yeah. of resist a conqueror. Yeah. So there were a bunch of wars fought, fought over dragon marks and politics and you're usual stuff. There was mm-hmm. actually a war, and I briefly mentioned this in the Dragon Marks episode, on aberrant Dragon Marks and mixing of marked houses, uh, because they create, like, these really dangerous Dragon Marks that hurt the user and the people around them. Mm-hmm. Right. Because you shouldn't be mixing one Dragon Mark with another. and Right, because it's dangerous. Mm-hmm. But there was a whole war fought over it that took a long time. But it's kind of just like a footnote. Yeah, because it's like they warred. This is what it was about. This is the consequences, whatever. And what is, again, undoubtedly a whole episode in and of itself. I know. I know. A second wave of human refugees from Sarlona came over to Corvair. They were fleeing persecution on Sarlona. For what? Does it it Um, say what? Oh, it it sure does. Bit of a teaser. Y'all remember the quarry? Oh, yeah. You remember how they had to seek another um, a loophole into gaining control over the material plane so that they could control their own? Nope. I, I mean, I do. <laughs> so, as a refresher, the quarry are from Dalcor, which is the uh, plane of dreams. They lived in this, like, nightmarish Nightmare world. Realm. Yeah. And they cannot shape their own reality because it's shaped by mortals' dreams. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they were the ones who fought the giants. Okay. And they wanted to, they terrorized the giants for a while. 
before the giants destroyed the portal from Dalcor to the material plane, cutting off the plane of dreams forever. Right. So now they've been looking for this loophole, and they found it in Sarlona. Oh, boy. And a different species is created called the Kalistar, and that's... All I'm going to say to set this up, because, uh, again, it's its own episode. Oh, is that a the core and a human? Uh, mm, I'm, I'm not going to say anymore. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, Maggie. So, in the interim, the marks of making appear on the humans, warding on the dwarves, storm on the half-elves, passage on humans, handling on humans. Humans get so much. God damn it. And detection on half-elves. Around a thousand years before present day... A man named Galifar I was born in Karnath. He later became king of Karnath. And ten years later, he began a campaign to unite the five nations. So not like conquer. Yeah. No, that's how you do it. <laughs> yeah. You call yourself Galifar the Uniter, not Karn the, the Conqueror. conqueror. He uh, got really angry. Yeah. In any case, so ten years after he became king, he was like, yeah, I'm going to try to actually fix this the right way. Yeah. I'm going to try to unite the human See, people. that's confidence right there. I've yeah. only been king for ten years. I think I can do this. I mean, yeah. I don't know, ten years is a long time. Yeah, and like he was in his 20s. Okay, see, now that just seems even like, that seems really young. Yeah. Yeah, so I mean, he would have been a king as like a, a teen. Jesus. Well, I mean, no, he was in his 20s when he became king, is what I meant. Oh, oh, oh he I was in we his were, 30s. I thought oh, it was an Egyptian pharaoh type situation no, was, for a second. I was like, damn. Nah, my okay. bad, my bad. So he becomes a uniter. So he offers the marked houses sovereignty and neutrality in exchange for their help with his endeavor. So mm. they won't be like, they kind of get to have their own say in things, basically. So basically, it wouldn't be like it was a nation of like Thrain anymore, but like if they had, if one house had like prominence in that kingdom, it's like they get to keep their... Yeah, they they get to keep their prominence, they get to keep their say, and if I recall correctly from the Dragon Marked episode, the houses have kind of, had kind of like representatives to mm. give their say. So year one YK is established as the first year of the kingdom, that being the kingdom of Galifar, because he had successfully taken control of the five nations. So at this point, are they still considered kingdoms, or is this now considered like an empire because it has five kingdoms that are united? It's called the king- kingdom of the five nations. Okay. So, I mean, technically, I think it would be an empire, but also... I mean, that's kind of just like a technicality, so... Yeah. Yeah. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, and it took him about 14 years to unite them. So it wasn't like he just did this and then like, oh, he wins. It was a reasonable amount of time. But that's still like... that's good. That's an endeavor to get five kingdoms to actually be united. Yeah, and he um, took control of the five nations with his five children. Oh, convenient. Ander, Bray... Seer. Oh my god. Karn and Thrain. That's just pandering at that point. <laughs> the nations later took the names of their children. So they weren't originally called that, but that's, but that's what they're what... known as now. Oh. Okay, so they didn't get those names until after they were united. Yeah. And so. then this king was like, yeah, uh, everyone go. Well, actually, the nations took the names of the children who ruled them. 
Yeah, that's right. Uh, oh, yeah. So it wasn't like the children were like, oh, you're going to be called this now. Yeah. They were like, oh, we love you. We're going to take your name. Yeah, the king was like, all right, I'm going to send you here, you here, and you here. And then over time, everyone was just like, all right, I guess we're going to be this kingdom because we like this person. Or yeah. a handful of powerful representatives did it to kick ass, or kick ass, kiss Kiss ass. ass. And then, like, <laughs> all the people in the kingdom were like, I hate that rich fucker's kid. <laughs> Potentially, yeah. Probably more realistically what happened. Trust fund baby. <laughs> Goddamn trust fund princess baby fuck. But like Bray, Brayland, Karn, Karnath, you, you get the idea. Right. Yeah. So Galifar ruled them for 40 years before passing the crown to Seer and then dying at the age of 98 shortly thereafter. Damn. Yeah. Aww. 98. Well, about 13 years later. That's quite a life though, 98. Yeah. Jesus. Pretty, pretty good. So, during Galifar's war to unite the nations, the mark of finding appeared on humans and half-orcs in Corvair's far-flung shadow marches. It was not discovered by the rest of Corvair for another 500 years. It is, like, the last mark to... It is the last mark to emerge. Hmm. Interesting. In the roughly 900 years after Galifar's founding, the kingdom oversaw periods of peace and prosperity established alliances with the people around them and dragon-marked houses within them. Public works projects to further unite the continent were undertaken, and amazing structures and technology were developed using the dragon marks. Uh, I mentioned in the dragon marks episode the lightning rail to allow not instantaneous, but very fast travel across the continent. Mm -hmm. That was one of the things that was created by uh, King Jarrett, or Jarrow. Actually, I think it's Jarrow. J-A-R-O-T. Yeah, probably Jero. Kind of like tarot. Yeah. Yeah. So, all was well until 894 YK when King Jero died. And his children began fighting for the right to reign. Ugh. Ugh. And the five kingdoms on a whole began fighting. And thus began the last war. Motherfuckers. So, <clears throat> if you have ever... Like, read into any Eberron content, you know, the last war is big with Eberron campaigns and very essential to the setting on a whole. It's its own episode. I'm sorry. I know I've said that so many times. So many times. But, like, that would be um, something that's happening, like, in media res in your campaign. It has actually just recently ended in your campaign. Oh, okay. So you're... So that's, like, fresh in the memories of pretty much everybody during the campaign. Okay. And, like, that could lend something that, like, that could have contributed to something that happened in your character's backstory. Yeah. Okay. In fact, there's actually a species called the Warforged that were basically constructions made for the war. I love a construct. But they started to realize that they had sentience. Oh, yes. So, like... You you can like it's a playable character. You can play a warforge struggling to find life after this war and make peace with the fact that you were literally created by another mortal as a weapon. Oh, that's delicious! Hell yeah! But everyone's once again just blowing my mind and everything. There is just so much. Everyone's too crazy. I love it. It's so crazy. Can't play in Eberron because it made me too crazy. <laughs> but that's all I have for you guys today. And that's all I have for Eberron for just a little bit. 
I, I love Eberron, and I could probably just keep doing this, but this would turn into an Eberron podcast. Right. I'm sure we'll still be picking things here and there yeah. from yeah. Eberron to talk about because, I mean, there's a lot to it. Yeah, I mean, I just threw out, like, three episodes that are going to have to be revisited in the future. Yeah. Right. And, I mean, we all have our other things that we're going to look into, so we'll take a little break from Eberron. I know that here in, I don't know, a few episodes, maybe, we'll probably be releasing our first episode that has to deal with Pathfinder lore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm planning on looking into a few things in Pathfinder just to kind of give us a little more variety. Mm -hmm. We haven't really touched anything on Pathfinder lore. Yeah. We're as just... far as just talked about what our Pathfinder campaign was. But right. let me just tell you. I took the lore and threw it out the window, more or less, whenever we played our campaign. Yeah, we were just kind of doing I took doing bits and pieces of it, but I was like, I'm going to change this and this and this. Yeah, I like this, I don't like this. Yeah, but mm -hmm. so we'll have some spice of life, <laughs> some variety going on within this, but Eberron has been one hell of a journey so far. Yes. Yeah. And thank you again for... Anthony, for suggesting it so many weeks ago. Uh, <laughs> You've created a monster. You've created a monster. Good job, Anthony. This is your fault. But I mean, we're not mad about it, but you. this is your fault, so Just you so should you know. be proud of this one. Good job. <laughs> oh, man. All right, well, I guess if that's all you have... Mm -hmm. It is. We should probably go eat, because I'm getting kind of hungry. <laughs> I'm I mean, getting kind of more tired. I'm always hungry, though. And I'm always tired. <laughs> Golly gee. Don't forget to, uh, you know, follow us on all of our plugs we do in the ad break, social media, Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. We have, again, a Reddit account, but that's not really active that much. I mean, I don't even, I don't even know how Reddit works. <laughs> it, I mean, I barely know how it works at this point. It just works. It just works. Tell sometimes. your friends, spread the word, enjoy our podcast, hopefully. If you like this suggested topic and you would, and you have a suggested topic for us, you can send it to our email at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. You can also contact us there to tell us to stop doing Eberron <laughs> and to convince me to not just do a Elves 1.5 on the Undead Elves in Eberron. Oh my god. <laughs> tell me to finish the Telkasir. Though I will say, if you email us and tell us to stop doing Eberron, we might not heed that. Yeah. So. You might, I mean... You might just fan the flames. Maybe just a little bit. Yeah. We're kind of like that. We're contrarians. But thank you all once again for listening, and we're going to catch you next week here on Dungeonpedia. Undead Elves. Yep. Love it. <laughs>